going on people welcome back uh i've been away it's been a, it was a brief hiatus uh but we're back and today i'm here with a uh former teammate budding philosopher in his own right stefan how you doing bro great bro. How are you? not too bad so uh, i wanted to get you on to uh um well i guess a few days ago we we're talking about philosophy and you brought up a good point. You were asking, like, you know, why is philosophy not out there more in the world? Obviously, in school and universities and academic settings, people talk about it all the time. We teach it, we read books about it. But why is it that it's not really out there in the world? So my first question to you is, first of all, how did you get into philosophy? Did you always want to, you know, were you always interested in those, you know, in books and stuff like that? Or how did you get started? Well, I guess growing up, I was, I always liked reading and whatnot, but it seems to me that philosophy, I kind of really stumbled into it. It wasn't really a conscious choice. Um, getting into university is when I started uh, studying philosophy, of course. But it seemed to be sort of a toss-up. I was I was looking at the sciences, I was looking at uh, the, the social sciences, and ultimately philosophy and political science went up over um, the other options because I, I decided I wanted to go into law eventually. Mm. So. Um, it seems like a good place to start so i don't know learning philosophy it's been it's a it's been a bit different like i couldn't have seen my life going this way but yeah but really i i've learned to respect the art and whatnot so I, I, <laughs> um so like i guess people who are listening are wondering why is it that they're talking about philosophy this is a podcast about you know mental health uh and it's sponsored by v track etc um and I was thinking about this a little while back and um, you and I, obviously we should play for uh, U Ottawa, the Gigi's men's soccer team. And on one of the trips we're traveling and um, on a, we were going to one of the games and we were sitting together, we're discussing philosophy and about all the great philosophers, what they thought versus what the other people thought, kind of like the paradoxes, arguments back and forth. And like, I found that really interesting. and I enjoyed it a lot. And then I was thinking, why is it that, you know, when you think about psychology, right? Psychology in a way comes out of philosophy, right? It's all about the mind, thinking about the mind, et cetera. That's what philosophy is about. And the whole point of philosophy is to help people essentially live well, right? And I was talking to you about that. I was like, well, usually when you go to a therapist, it's essentially what they're trying to do. They're trying to help you work your way through your problems so you can live well, so you live a happy life, et cetera. And then um, we talked about that a few days ago. And then I was thinking like, basically people have um there are self-help books are everywhere that's essentially a form of philosophy right but it's like out in the culture there isn't this sort of like this sort of like people embracing philosophy reading about it talking about it and stuff like that in order for them to essentially figure out a way to live well so what do you think that is realistically i believe there's some sort of um like inherent disconnect between the the academics who um who disseminate this philosophy to like their peers and their their contemporaries and then us as people in the 21st century who are just uh i guess we're just living doing our best and whatnot Mm -hmm. and ultimately we don't really get to well few of us get to really look into and delve into the the language and what they whatnot the the philosophers, the academics, academia in general, tends to use um, a little bit more technical language, for instance. Right. There's a lot of long books that don't need to be read. There's a lot. There's like, like there's, 
there's so much content and it's hard to know what what's good and what's bad what's uh, mm. what you need to know and you can spend a lot of time doing a lot of pointless research that's why i really credit my professors to to really bring to to light the issues that need to be treated mm-hmm. and other than that it it's confusing realistically if i told most of my friends go read this book maybe maybe a quarter of them would like i know people for instance when i recommend them books i I'm basically throwing that time away because I know they don't read like that. I know they don't they don't value different things. So it seems to me that to answer your question that this disconnect between philosophy, which is once as you as you precised it pretty well, which is teaching one how to live well, and the disconnect between that being privileged information to academia and that versus the the layman or the average person who is um who's generally not exposed to that type of uh, behavior or literature or that type of thinking. So something that can really benefit all of society is being sort of coveted by one mm-hmm. portion of society. And at the end of the day, I think it does us all an injustice by, uh, by leaving it such that it's not being disseminated towards everybody. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like um, you, 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 you said this before to me, you were like, if I can, if I can spend, let's say, a week reading a book that it took a person who's probably much smarter than I am. It took them their whole life. And they're sort of like, they put all their, essentially all their knowledge, all their findings about all their observations about life into that book. And it takes me a week to read it while it took them 30 years to write. That's a mm-hmm. crazy return on investment in terms of what you're getting out of it. Right. Exactly. Like you said, there's a crazy disconnect between the people who were, let's say in the high towers of, of, um, you know, the university versus the people out there who are just in the world, because it almost seems like, like you said, we're talking about self-help books versus philosophy. Philosophy gets sort of packaged into these little bites in self-help books, and then it's put out into the world. It's not really, um, it's not really a place where um, they say, hey, these are certain issues that we're living with today, right? This is what I think about it, right? Now I'm going to give it to you. What do you think about it? In the sense that, you know, you're reading a book and you're receiving what the person thinks about it. And then you sort of, there's a discussion going back and forth. You talk about it with your friends, et cetera, et cetera. But then you have these help, help who are just like telling you, this is how you should live. Whereas I guess like you could say true philosophy is more about trying to figure out how to live well. Not necessarily that there's an answer that applies to everybody. See, I like how you um, you naturally applied it to, to psychology. Whereas um, when you have a therapist, for instance, you have a dialogue going on between the patients and the therapist. Yeah. Like at its base, even if you look back to the greats, to Socrates, he didn't write anything because he felt that philosophy was meant to be discussed, like just as you and I are through dialogue. And Plato's only writings were dialogues, as you as you probably know. So when we look at the situation, it's not because like psychology, sorry, philosophy has sort of been convoluted over the years to be huge manuscripts, huge texts, huge magnum opuses, or whatever the plural of that is, on, um, <laughs> on um, just different thought processes throughout history. And it, it cer- certainly it, it helps, it benefits, because mm-hmm. writings allow me to, as you said, read a book on somebody's entire lifestyle, entire, um, their entire works throughout the course of their lifetime. But in the same way, it disenfranchises an entire group of people who are not necessarily able to, or not necessarily willing to technically parse through that text and mm. dedicate the time necessary. So when I can talk to you, when we can, 
when we can suss out the issues of a of a certain situation, when you can look at somebody's mental state and say, why are you feeling this? What are right. you what are you losing? What are you gaining? And how can we help you benefit? That's when philosophy is at its best, I feel. I feel it's not only just teaching us how to live well, it's teaching us how to react well because we can never really control what happens to us, but we can always control how we react to the situations. You know? Right. Um, so as a reaction to that, how, how has philosophy helped you live well? Oh, countless ways. I can't even, I couldn't even pick out one or two if I tried. But We have a honestly, true philosopher here. That's hilarious. <laughs> like, honestly, philosophy, it's in everything I do. Mm. Like, for instance, goal setting. I understand the different, I, inst- I understand the importance of setting goals, for instance. Right. I, I find something I want to do and I, I understand that everything I have to, everything auxiliary, every, every bit of my day has to somehow bring me one step closer to my goal instead of one step away. Mm. When I find that I'm doing something, because I'm, obviously I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. Yeah. But when I find myself doing something that's, that's not benefiting my own goals, that's not helping me come closer to my, my final endpoint, then I, I learned to either cut it out or amend it such that I can. And realistically, finding those goals is the hardest part because I'm not sure if you're familiar with Aristotle and his final endpoint, like his teleological endpoint. No, but I'm not. It's, it's the matter of finding something that's worthwhile and have having in it of itself. Like something that's not, a, it's no longer a means to an end at that point. It's a final end. So mm. you might say, you might have the idea of getting a lot of money because that'll make you happy. But money is not happiness. Money is a means to an end. You can, you can buy things that might make you happy, maybe. But at the end of the day, you're looking at a situation where you're searching for a means to an end. The final end for most people's final end is happiness. And once you have happiness, you're not really looking for something else. Mm. But wow. the perspective you have to be working via, like vis-a-vis, you have to be understanding what you want and why you want it. That's that's really what philosophy has taught me, to to be more introspective and to actually diagnose what my feelings are and see them as what they literally are rather than what I want them to be. Like I don't want to be a rapper because I want all the I, I want the lifestyle. I want to be a rapper because maybe I I like the lifestyle, but I. I also like the respect people give me as a result. Mm. So if I'm just looking for that respect, then what are the other ways to get that respect? How can I be a, a citizen who is respected? Maybe I could, I could pursue a whole lot of endeavors, but at the end of the day, it's a matter of defining specifically what you want out of life and doing your best to pursue it. That's really fascinating. Like, instead of, let's say, um, going for the thing that you think you're interested in, you need to yeah. figure out exactly what it is that you want out of life. Like you said, his sort of teleological end goal, the thing that he reaches, like figure out what that is for you. And then you, you can essentially find your way to get to it through different sort of gates, different doors. It doesn't have to be one place. Cause like at this moment, like you said, you might be thinking about, oh, you know, am I getting to rap? I like music, I've always liked music. You know, I did music in school, whatever, et cetera. Maybe I can get there through that you think you know music is your thing but realistically if you sort of just switch your perspective a little bit you might see that there might be some you might find that thing in something else in another vocation something like that and you mentioned something interesting about um like money being the end goal money being the end goal because money is happiness 
like the psychological literature shows that money only makes you happy air quotes because it facilitates autonomy so if you have money you can do the things that you want to do right and that sort of facilitates your happiness but at the point where it doesn't add anything to you in terms of autonomy it actually starts to make you less happy yeah yeah it's a it's a common uh, equation yeah It, it it shows like for instance the gdp increase per capita in developing nations it helps exponentially to the point at which everybody can subsist correctly but after that point, like anything surplus, actually it shows deviations from happiness. Like when you keep increasing money and increasing GDP per capita, for instance. And I find it really interesting because like earlier on when we were talking, you mentioned Hellenistic philosophy and mm. the likes of Epicurus and the likes of uh, Diogenes, for instance. And ultimately it seems that people from that theoretical current, they find they find that money and luxury and whatever else are more symptoms of, um, as you call it, like symptoms of mental, I don't want to say mental illness because that's a loaded term, but symptoms of some sort of deficiency. Like you want this because truly you're not happy. And their solutions, well, Epicurus' solution, this is an easier one to come to than Diogenes, but Epicurus' solution is like, one must first quiet the mind before they can before they can understand true peace. And it's not through it's not through luxuries, it's not through having uh, having anything tangible. It's just a matter of introspection and understanding what you need out of life. And it, in most cases it sums to be very little. So And that's why he lived with basically nothing. Yeah, precisely. His 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 ideas were live with your friends. Mm-hmm. His ideas were practice introspection at, at every corner and to subsist over like subsist, take just what you need to subsist and anything else. It's, it's a surplus. It's something that it's not necessarily required of you. Like if you have it, that's great. But if you have it, if you don't have it, don't stress. Right. That's fascinating because if you also like sort of flip your worldview to that, like you said, anything that's a surplus becomes almost like, in a weird way, like a source, like a source of joy, or like, almost like you know, like manna from the heavens. It's like, oh, yeah. I didn't expect this, but now I have it. You know, this is great. Precisely. But like, once again, you know that you don't need it, which is why it's joyful when you get it. That's that's precisely it, man. Um, it's a matter of being thankful for whatever you have in excess, but ultimately understanding that whether or not you have that excess, because there are people who aren't, who don't have it, and there are people who um ultimately they'll never have something like that and you have to understand that like even if you're in a less fortunate position then you're still you're still somebody who's who has value Mm. like your life can't be contingent like your value your personal value cannot be contingent on the idea that that somebody else's presence or something else's presence or you have this tangible thing i have this car this house this villa (laughs) so then what is um you know the natural follow-up question what is philosophy like what does philosophy have to give us in this moment right now and i'm asking you that because obviously you mentioned hellenistic philosophy and i only know a little bit about it and um um i remember a prof basically telling us how like hellenistic philosophy popped out of a world that was just it was essentially the world had gotten bigger all of a sudden right 
Yeah, Alexander sure. the Great happened and everything just changed, right? The world was bigger than most were expected. I mean, they knew it was big, but they didn't really like, you don't really, I guess they didn't really like think about it until they started seeing people from the Middle East, from India coming into Greece and, you know, them going over to India and stuff like that. They were like, wow, this is insane. So, and he was talking about how like the schools that popped out of that time were essentially um, like self-help books. They were, they were essentially trying to help people in that time because it was rough and obviously we're living in a time now where you know things are not necessarily the greatest so what does philosophy have to tell us about living right now in this time i think with all things like i'll sound very aristotelian here but with all things it's it's a matter of temperance all right so temperament and aristotle often preaches this golden mean all right yeah. It's the, the midpoint between excess and deficiency. So if you look at a soldier, you see if he's if he's too cowardly, he won't fight. But if he's too brave, he'll risk his life unnecessarily. And you come to situations where you really just don't need that. Right? Yeah. He doesn't need to be fighting all the time. So what I'd prescribe for this this current unprecedented era we're living in is just to be to be moderate, to be moderate in all things, to if you find yourself feeling a certain way, understand it's it's okay to let go a little bit because times are tense. It's okay to relax. It's okay to sit back because yeah. this won't this won't go on forever. I promise. Like there, there's no way. It's not sustainable. At some point, there's there's going to be a return to normal. I don't know when that point is, yeah. and I don't know what that normal will be. Like what that normal will look like. But regardless of the situation. It's a matter of keeping yourself mentally fit to continue on. Okay, so maybe one day you wake up and you don't feel so well. That's okay. There's never any problem with that. No one's no one's gonna judge you for feeling for not feeling hundred percent every day you wake up. But as I said before, you can't you can't really control what happens to you, but you can control how you react to the situation. And that's what people are really gonna they're gonna like or dislike you for. They're going to you're going to value for it. All right. So if you have somebody who can always be counted on to act logically or to act temperate or to act, act in a way that is, is virtuous overall, then we have, um, we have a situation where somebody, somebody can be counted on to act a certain way simply because, simply because they, at the end of the day, they value certain things. And when you value certain things, it, it almost feels to me as though, regardless of the situation, whatever ha whatever's happening outside, you have those core values of your own and you understand that this is, this is the way things must be to some degree. And I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm really making sense here, but it sort of gives you a baseline, something to always fall back on. So regardless of your environmental circumstances, you know that you exist as a certain way, like you're a certain type of person that will never change. So even as you amend your personal philosophies and grow, you know that some things must stay constant. So for instance, if tomorrow I can't go outside because we're in quarantine, that's okay. I um, There's a lot of things that I can do inside. There's a lot of ways of improving myself. A lot of people find, it find themselves incapable of going to the gym these days. And it messes with their, their, their psyche. And personally, I, I feel that just as much as anybody else, because obviously I can't go to the gym either, but I try to, I try to do 
to work out at home. I try to go on like five K runs. I try to I try to do a lot. At the end of the day, when I when I'm not feeling well, I just I sit back and I understand that okay, maybe I'm I'm not necessarily supposed to be feeling like this, but even though I'm feeling like this, I don't have to lose my rationality. I don't have to I don't have to lash out. I don't have to be I can choose to not be sad over this because I know at some point things will get better. It will end. This makes me think of, uh, well, you sent it to me, uh, Bowie thesis, constellation of philosophy, right? And the, and the fact that obviously you can speak to it just more, um, the fact that you're basically world at the mercy of Fortuna, as the Romans called her, you know, the wheel just keeps going up and down. Like you said, maybe you're not feeling well today, but it's not going to last. And this thing that we're in, it won't last because the wheel keeps turning. Boethius is lovely because what he teaches us first and foremost is to not value anything that you were given through luck. So things that you have of your own accord, your faculties of reason, your um, your knowledge, things that are intrinsically part of you, your 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 work ethic, whatever. Those are the things that no one can really take away from you. But circumstances can can give you a lot, but I know people who've been very fortunate in certain things. And circumstances can also take away a lot. They can they can dissolve most of what you currently think to be yourself. Like for instance, they can separate you from your house or your family or whatever else for any reason, any given number of reasons. And a lot of people aren't prepared for that because they find they find themselves disenfranchised as they previously understood themselves to be inseparable from those things. Like, what am I without my ability to play soccer? Mm. I mean, forbid tomorrow I break my leg and I can never play again. I'll feel like I was unlucky. But realistically, I should be just thankful that I had the opportunity to actually play at some point. Whereas the ability was never really mine. I was just given... I was afforded that opportunity by luck and something that will never be taken away from me is my ability to appreciate, for instance, appreciate all you have today rather than what you, what you're lacking. And it's a really good change of paradigm. So rather than not appreciating or being angry at the fact that we can no longer go to the club, for instance, you might turn around and say, well, I can now improve my, I get to save money. I get to save money. I get to not spend on whatever else, like drinks, bottles, the such. Yeah, or you can work on your dance moves. Exactly. The clubs open back up, let's go. Exactly, (laughs) work on my dance moves where no one will judge me. So when I hit that, uh, when I hit that little one to uh, Funky Chicken or whatever it is, nobody's going to be laughing at me and I I can perfect it by the time I get back in the club. Exactly. Like every every situation affords us with new opportunities. Just like as one door closes, another opens. Yeah. It's it's in the literal sense, but you have to be in the right frame of mind to see it like that. Yeah. You know? And I know it's hard, but it, it does get easier with practice. <laughs> I guess that's that's ultimately what philosophy taught me. But you yeah, can like, be it's fascinating, like the whole like this I guess like all this stuff that I've the little that I've read, it's almost like it's always like a like a shift in perspective in a weird way. Like that's sort of like the, um, the overall overarching message. It's like, just try to look at something just a little bit different. Obviously you're reading different people and like they have mm-hmm. different things to say about different things, 
So they're, they literally have different perspectives, but it's like, at least to me and you know what you just said, it's like, just have a, just change your perspective a little bit. Like you said, you have to be in the right frame of mind to see that one door just closed while another one is opening over here. Absolutely. So you, you hit the nail on the head there by saying it's, it's a paradigm shift. It's like, I used to think this way and maybe it was working out for me. Maybe it wasn't. But now when I think this way, regardless of whether or not it works out for me, like in specific instances, I know that I'm going to be okay because like, I, have, I have myself to fall back on. Yeah. I have this understanding, like this, this greater understanding of the way things are. And like, I don't get angry at different things. I, don't, I, I found myself much more, much more indifferent almost. Like I still care about things passionately, but when things don't go my way, I'm not the first to throw to punch through a wall. Like I'm not the first to be going on Twitter and saying some foolishness or whatever. It guys is. turned into a stoic for real. It's not even a matter of stoicism because the stoics, <laughs> the stoics, they bring nice, they bring something to the table. Of course, I would never deny yeah, that. Yeah. But as with as with all things, it's moderation. Like, do I need to be? to be acting out in this in this way maybe the situation demands it in some political situations today it demands that we go all out and we, we get angry at these things that are happening mm. but the various trivialities of life I, I don't really find that they require that so yeah when you need to overthrow the government that that might require you getting a little bit angry mm. but otherwise i don't really find you spilled the orange juice and you're gonna you're gonna get mad and let it ruin your entire week. Come on. We're better right. than this. I mean to get back to your your favorite Aristotle, like if you're trying to overthrow the government, you can't be too cowardly, right? You gotta find that mean. You can't be a wilding. An open mean. Um, so my last question is for somebody who's looking to get into the world of philosophy, just like Obviously, there's books, but there's also videos on YouTube. There's resources everywhere. Like, what would you suggest somebody starts reading first? Somebody who's not familiar with, let's say, the difference between like continental and analytic philosophy, Hellenistic, pre-Socratics, etc. Um, that's a difficult question to be honest. I I haven't given it much thought. But what I would recommend is there are different avenues, different um, different groups of people who try to bring philosophy to to other parts of life, other portions of life other than academia. So okay. like if you if you think about it as in when do I do math, all right? It's generally just at school. You don't mm -hmm. really go home and uh, unless it unless it's part of your job, you don't you generally don't go home and do math unless you really love math. I don't love math like that. But there are groups who seek to bring philosophy outside of the classroom, for instance, and into our lives where it's meant to be. It's like meant to be, yeah. <laughs> And philosophy is meant to happen through dialogue. You see it on a daily basis when parents teach children. They say, yo, you shouldn't do that. And when you have a really good parent, they say, you shouldn't do that because, because X, because Y. And ultimately you see concepts being learned a lot better when you, when you tell the kid why you shouldn't touch the, the fire, why you shouldn't push the other kid for, mm -hmm. for calling you a name. But I would, I would suggest that if you seek to look into philosophy, that you <laughs> you pick up a book about Plato, 
it's a good it's a good place to start it's pretty much where everybody starts right you learn about socrates or you learn about plato or you even go on youtube honestly it's there's so many resources out there if you're if you're willing to do a tiny bit of work i i would recommend looking into the situation in fact i I plan to make it a little bit easier in the future if things go well. If things Ooh. don't, then, yeah. what are you trying to say, good sir? I'm trying to say maybe, maybe in the future there might be a, there might be reason to call you onto my podcast. And, uh, hey, it'll be my pleasure. Uh, but yeah, because like I was thinking about that, like you know, we're talking about old philosophy, this philosophy, that, and like um, everybody has their own personal philosophy, their code or whatever it is they call it. But it's like if you want to get into like this world of like, let's say mainstream philosophy that's taught in schools and stuff like that. Like, where would you start? And I'm not saying that's the only thing you could, you know, look into, like, there's a bunch of other stuff you could, you know, Paravita, like a bunch of other stuff, right? Um, it's just like figuring out where to start. And I was thinking about like, if I didn't, you know, didn't take some of the courses I took, like, where would I even start? Like, I had no idea. That's precisely it. That's the, that's the biggest problem that there is right now, because there's, there's this information and it's out there. But it's so hard to access through different um because of different problems. Like for instance, I, I spend a lot of time reading philosophy and I've been at it for a while and it still takes me a whole lot of time. And yeah. that's all I have to do. Like for instance, if I had a, a full-time job right now, there would be no way I could get through any of the philosophical texts I read. Like it's it's a mission. So I guess the the technical language is a barrier. The actual knowing what to look for, knowing what to, knowing what's useless, because it's not, it's not useless if you, if you want all the nuance, but if you want the general message, I can sum some of the stuff in like 15 minutes that would generally take a week to read. Like it's, it's crazy. Some of these texts are just obscenely long and I'm looking at one right now. I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this book right now. I'm not going to say his name but oh my like, god it's huge it's like 1200 pages i'm like yo if you're if you're looking through that then you're not gonna get through that anytime this month <laughs> like unless you're unless you're far better than me you're not gonna get through that anytime this month but like uh, the, the lessons in here they can be disseminated in probably like one or two hours like by somebody who's who's familiar with the content so mm. i feel i feel like we almost have an obligation when we know things to to help people who who may not be as as fortunate as us to get into the same situation because as luck would have it I'm here and if I didn't have if I wasn't so fortunate then I might be somewhere else where I couldn't even I couldn't even come to these conclusions so I think it's my I think it's it's our it's our duty our obligation to to work towards a society in which everybody can have an equality of an opportunity. So like the ladder, the social ladder, the, the physical, I don't know, any, any sort of a metaphorical ladder that one has to climb in order to achieve success in a particular discipline, that, that deserves to be, to be equal. Like it's yeah. very difficult to find people in circumstances where they can't even learn simply because maybe they don't have anything on the table to eat. They don't have, yeah. if, they're, if they're worried about working all night and working all day and then going to school and then coming home and taking care of siblings or whatever, then you're not going to be spending your, your free time studying philosophy. 
I promise it just doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, something to take out of it. It sounds to me like, you know, it's her duty to essentially democratize knowledge and the little knowledge that's in there, the wisdom that's in there, just get it to everybody. Because then, theoretically, if everybody has it, we can sort of live better as, as ourselves and then live better as a society, right? Which is kind of what everybody's looking for. Like I've been in, for instance, I've been in different types of classes, right? Like I might take an economics course here, a political science course there, a biology course here. And you hear the, the difference in the discussions between those and the philosophy classes. Like you hear people listen in order to respond in a class like maybe economics, but you hear people listen to generally internalize and, and understand before responding in classes like philosophy people actually care to they care to first understand and then they care to like if it's a debate they care to debate but it's not necessarily i'm just listening to to say to say my point mm. so i'm listening to actually understand what it, or internalize what i uh what i've heard and see how it can better my life and see what the see what the problems with it might be so i'm not saying every Every single philosophy out there is a good philosophy. I'm just saying, like, we have to be giving, willing to give it a chance first before, before anything else. And as a result, it makes you a, a lot more open-minded as a person. So I'm willing to hear a lot of things. I, I don't necessarily believe in them. But when I hear things, I don't just automatically dismiss them as folly. I was like, you're an idiot. You're saying this. Right, so I understand understand and then respond empathetically after thinking about it yeah anyway bro um we've come up against it thank you so much for your time i was talking to you um um yeah i guess hopefully when all this closes down i can actually come down with kick the ball around to see you sometime but for sure when that is i have no idea but (laughs) thank you for your time bro i'm sure the people will appreciate the the knowledge you dropped on here so thanks again Thank you.